Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Don, what's going on? Uh, so, been working on a couple things for for Aspire Edu, um, continuing down that security path, uh, continuing to to do some pre work on SOC two um, assessments, um, and and continuing to as we work with bigger bigger schools, continuing to get more involved uh, security questionnaires. Just finished one for a large. Uh, state university in the in the west um that wanted an architecture diagram wanted a listing of all dns's um and all the clients and servers involved uh throughout so um it's fine to have all that stuff it, i i put the documents together i answered all the questions and then i ran it by our lead developer just to make sure that i hadn't missed anything and he's like no this looks fine it also looks like they're trying to shoehorn our SaaS into an on-premise solution hmm. and I, I said yeah that's absolutely true um the 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 questions some of the questions they ask are don't feel like they fit a SaaS model very well yeah um, which is which is a discussion I want to have another time when we when we have a, a good security episode about about how how you when you have these big uh, secure IT departments they they don't always do a good job of differentiating between uh, SaaS and on premise so um so that's what I've been working through how about you well it's, it's interesting you brought up this idea that a company is asking about a product that can, it's SaaS in nature, but they are talking about bringing it on premise without divulging any details. I talked to a company who was approached by a cruise ship company and the discussion has been around, how do we make your product work on a disconnected cruise ship environment that docks every couple of days but we want our employees to have access to the app all the time. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice uh, engineering question. Yeah. So like you're talking about that. I'm like thinking, Oh yeah, my brain melted a few nights ago trying to think about the same thing. Um, Newsflash, it costs a lot of money. Um, But other than that, there's a, there's a lot of complexity and interesting problems to solve with that. Sure. Uh, other than other than that, I am in the middle of preparing for a talk next week to the Tech Managed Meetup, which is a meetup that like my wife and I have started, and you're helping us with. Um, it's a meetup geared for people that want to know more about the like where technology meets business and management. And we're going to have our first meetup about the front end and back end. And I'm going to kind of go through a history of the internet from both perspectives and where they are now. And what that means if you're trying to build an app these days in terms of hiring people, the technologies that, that are at your fingertips or that you need to invest in, that kind of thing. And then sure. the I did get approved to be a speaker at DevFest KC 2019, and I'll be doing a presentation about Firebase authentication, mainly because I have one of the things that I feel like people should start doing is offloading their user authentication to other providers. Quit posting your own auth, quit storing your credentials on your own databases, even if they're encrypted, like that is a domain that is better left to other companies. And Firebase authentication is one of the easier ways to start. Doesn't mean it does everything you need it um, to, but it's a good starting point for companies that are building products and don't want to spend a ton of time on auth, but need want to follow a better off off 
site type of um, authentication experience, I would say. So, so that I'm working on those two presentations and then the normal um, day to day trying to find new clients to work with for the consulting business, um, continuing to work for the clients that we have and um, kind of setting up shop in Kansas City still. So that's what I've been up to. But cool. the cool. but the uh, what I was going to bring up for this week on our discussion, I don't know when the email went out or when the tweet I read a tweet the other day, if not yesterday, and it was involving an internal email, allegedly, that um, Elon Musk sent to his company. It was sent at 1.30 a.m., and it was a plea or an explanation for a number of things. One, Tesla is doing another round of layoffs or something, and two... He needed people to keep working harder than average beyond the 40 hour work week, um, more than their counterparts in the automotive industry, harder and better than everybody else. And we've already talked a bit about how, you know, a few episodes ago, one of our most popular episodes was around Elon Musk and um, burning out. And even though he hit a rough point, it doesn't look like he's taken his foot off the gas too much. I don't know if he's in a position to do so, but he sent out this email and I started to think about all of my past jobs and positions and side projects and how much time I took to work on them and how much I focused on work and development and not on fun and family and social life and stuff. And so I was kind of going, and and I've read a lot about, you know, having a work-life balance, striking a balance, getting enough sleep. Like I pay attention to those things because I've seen people crash and burn harder than hard. And I don't, and I always want to avoid that, but you know, I don't know the best way to start the conversation, but I guess I'll first ask you the question. Looking back on your career, what is the most hours you think you've ever worked in a week? And was it worth it? Uh, the second answer, the answer to the second question is no. Um, <laughs> the, the, I probably, if we're talking about for a single job, okay, because I've always had little th- side things going on, so that adds on to my main job. Um, yeah. But if we're talking about for a single job, it wasn't even a developer uh, effort. It was, it was for a company that uh, that um, it was for an agency that handled Drupal sites, and they were they were starting to ask more and more of their project managers which i was at the time so i would spend my nine hours during the day uh nine not eight uh because uh, it, it my lunch break was essentially just grab something from the kitchen and eat it at my desk while i was continuing to work through various projects um so i'd spend my nine hours i'd go have dinner with with the family and i'd come right back to my desk and spend another two to three hours, um, you know, just uh, hammering on updates and things like that. So probably 12 hours over five days. So that's 60. And I probably put in another eight or so over the weekend just to make sure I was caught up. So I'd say it was close to 70, yeah. which isn't a ton. Um, I mean, it is a ton. It's it's almost two full-time jobs. Um, but I know, I know there are larger numbers out there and people pulling all nighters and things like that. So I'm not trying to push that out there as, as uh, an incredible effort, but it was, it, and no, it wasn't worth it at all. Um, yeah. it, it, it was more of a, you're asking for all these things, I'll deliver them, but this isn't going to last long. And I told them that, and, and to be honest, I wasn't with the company much longer after that I left. Um, as soon as I could, because it just was not worth it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I've worked. I always aim for the 80 hour work week as the that's pushing it to anyone's limit. And my first time I ever did it was when I had just started the job at this company called Horizon Cash Management. And within a month of me working there, the SEC came in and said, we're doing an audit and we need data out of your database system that I had just gotten acquainted with. And we needed to produce reports in a way that the system is Microsoft Access didn't really, it wasn't structured to do it like without some custom work. And so I got there. I mean, I literally went home just to shower and I probably put in more than 80 hours for the week and a half to deliver what the SEC needed. <clears throat> but that was a scenario where it wasn't that the company was like driving me to work extra hours. They just had this need that they had no capability of doing. And I was hired recently to prepare for that stuff, but it, everything just came to a head. So that was a, no one can really control these factors. I need to put in the overtime to get it done. And the company treated me like gold um, for pretty much the whole time I was there, but they, sure. they he earned a huge amount of respect and never expected that type of work again. Like 10 years of the, the, I never had to do that another time. I had to pull in a few, uh, there was a few times when I had to work over, uh, in the, at night or something because a server went down or we had an alarm go off and I had, and I was the only person that lived in the city, but that was yeah. from a work, from a weekly working standpoint, that was the only scenario there. But then my next job, I was hired onto a team at a, not a, a marketing company that was in an advanced technology space. And I was part of, I was the only developer for the majority of my time in eight months at this team. And because of the workload, I was doing at least 60 to 80 hours a week, just trying to one, learn rails two handle all the work. And also I was the only one ever on call because the work, I was the only one that knew what the apps did. And when the apps would launch, I was always the one that had to handle everything. I burned out of that job too. Like I left specifically because the company didn't like I, after I made requests for a more reasonable work, um, when I brought it up, they said, you're doing great. And I'm like, yes, but there's a cost here and I'm not going to be able to keep doing it. You're doing so well. <laughs> and I was like, that's not the point. And, uh, I eventually left specifically because of the workload. Um, even though they hired someone the week after I let I quit, they hired someone. I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm still leaving. And um, I would also say when you and I met, when I was working on the fantasy sports projects, I was putting in a, so much time. I was single. So all of my time was my own. No dependents, not even pets at that point. And I was just building games and it was fun. Like I, w I was having a blast working that time on the side. So I was doing a real job and this job on the side. So I was probably putting in 40 hours on the side project, but it was sure. very much different. I had full control over what I chose to do. And I was learning so much. It was fun. So it was almost like a hobby certainly got paid like a hobby, but it was more like we were aiming for it to be a business. So it was a completely different thing. But when the company is expecting you to work for them, I mean, tell me about the side, tell me about the emotional and health based side effects you had working those extra hours. Well, yeah, at, at that point it, it becomes, it becomes overwhelming. It's, it's one of those things where, where you're losing, you're losing your wind down time is yeah. what you're losing. You're losing your relaxation time. So when, when, when you go to bed, your brain's still on, um, and it's still on work. So it, you never really get that, 
step away when you're when you work from morning through past dinner into the evening um your brain hardly ever gets off that cycle and it it just wears you down so can i stop Um, you right there yeah because i think there is a misconception about the work hours of people and relaxation and i think this is where managers or employers that drive people too much have an issue or this is where they get in their mind that everyone's just having fun or sitting on the couch is it it's not just relaxation it's the ability to like have a life it, you may not go home like the first thing you do when you go home is not to sit on the couch it's maybe to clean the house maybe to make a healthy dinner maybe to take care of the kids because the significant other has been taking care of them the rest of the time. So that's not relaxation. That's just living, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it becomes, so if, if you have a significant other, if you have dependents, um, working those extra hours is time you can't, you can't spend with those, those people. So when it's your significant other, whether it's trading off, as you said, um, whether it's taking care of the children or the dependents, um, you you slipped in a, a comment that I, I you you said it on purpose, but I want to call it out. You said have a healthy dinner, um, <laughs> yes, as, as opposed to you know sitting at the desk ordering pizza and just continuing to 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 slam along. Um, so but that's so how that, I that's, always ate like crap. That's all my, part of it. Yeah. But I, did yeah, you ever sure. eat well? Like I, in my eighty-hour weeks, I never ate well. I ate horrible. I would, I mean, I would go, I would, you know, go to Starbucks or go to a breakfast place that would make me some fat egg thing. I would be drinking Starbucks with tons of sugar. Um, yeah, I would say for for me personally, no, because for me personally, I was at the house anyway. Um, so it it was a little, at least a little bit easier to be a little bit better than, 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 you know, working out of a coffee shop for 10 hours and, and just eating whatever they have there. Um, well, no, but that was on the way to work. I'm saying I would eat out for lunch. I would call in for dinner. I would grab a bite at a, some kind of restaurant for breakfast. The majority of my 80 hour weeks has not been at working remote. It's always been working in an office, mainly because when you work in an office, you got to talk to people during the day. So the water cooler talks cut into your work time, the meetings cut into your work time. And then when you get lunch breaks, if you have time to make food at home, when you're working those kind of hours, that's a, I don't know how you would do it. And so I'm always eating out. And frankly, I, I get maybe my mindset, but you get in this state where you quit caring about the details of your life and you care more about the problems that you're up against in work and yeah. everything crumbles around it. You don't go to the gym as much. You don't, I mean, these are habits that I had before, so I'm not speaking for everybody, but I wasn't going to go to the gym. I was going to eat like crap. Then that started the spiral of feeling bad about my eating habits and not going to the gym. There's no way my sleep was interrupted. Thankfully, at that point, I didn't drink as much. I drank more later on when I had more free time. But the um, I didn't do because I can't code when I have a buzz. Like I just if I'm drinking whiskey or beer, a lot of beer early in the 2000s. I just I can't think I can't code, so I couldn't yeah. I couldn't pull the all nighter with a bottle of whiskey and a computer. So I don't like all that started to pile up. So that's why I was asking you about the emotional impact and the health based impact well, because that started to erode for me. Sure, and 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 that that's that is the number one concern is is the welfare of the employee. But I I, I want to. I also want to look at it on the on the other direction, the benefit to the employer. Um, the work's not as good. Yeah. Um, the 
I, there were many a time, especially during those times when when I was I was putting in all those hours, where I'd be on a conference call while trying to grab, you know, something through drive-through or trying to make dinner. My brain's not fully engaged in that conference call. Yeah. Um, so so when when you when you push those extra hours you're not getting the full benefit of those hours anyway. So you might as well let the employee go ahead and, and not, not push them to that, to that level. Um, it, the, the, the benefits you get as employer just aren't there. Well, but you know, the, the employee, the managers that drove the team to work extra hours, I always felt like this is kind of me trying to have empathy for how they felt. This is not sympathy. I don't agree with this feeling, but there seemed to be this emotion on their part of because I am in this position with all this pressure on my shoulders, I'll be damned if the rest of the team shouldn't shoulder it as well all the time. So if they're taking home the stress of the job, everyone on the team should too. And so for someone to come in and start talking about a movie they saw, and if the manager was in a position where they weren't getting to see movies, they, they were really, you could tell they were like flustered at the fact that other people had a, a life, a social life or something else going on. And I was always like, you know, they're not paid as much as you for one. They aren't a manager. Um, why are you expecting them to live like you do? But the other part, the other thing was about matching hours. Like if the manager has to work a certain number of hours, of course the other people should too. That's a, um, that's, I've always seen that. And I've never understood that either. No, no, not at all. Not at and all. you know, for me, like what I noticed over the years when I had a, I was part of a project where for the first two months, I was putting in massive hours. And I worked very, very hard to make sure that other people weren't. Like, no matter what, because I had gone through this myself, I was kind of, and I was the manager. I was, my attitude was, I am not going to go in the office and, and brag about working on the weekend. I'm not going to brag about working at night. I'm going to make sure that everyone knows they don't need to work on the weekend that I'm not going. I, and I made pains to not send out messages on Slack after five. Um, if I did, it was more of like, Hey, this is a placeholder for tomorrow's meeting. No meetings on weekends, no meetings in the evening, no launching and stuff on Friday afternoons. Um, and what I found was that, Everybody on the team still kind of knew that I was working extra time and hours, but what they, what they did is they gave the full 40, like they were putting in tremendous work and focus because they knew that I was going to cut them off, so to speak. Like I wasn't going, if they worked on the weekends, I wasn't going to come, I wasn't actually going to compliment them on that. But when they right. delivered stuff during the 40 hours consistently, like, man, they were killing it. I was, that's when I was like, yes. And so I, but what happened was I burned out and then someone on the team had to go to the head boss and say, you know, you know, he's not, he's not doing well. <laughs> he was, I was exhausted and just irritable. And the head boss had to say, you know what, you need to start taking your, your own advice. And, so right. I like that's when things changed for me there. But I think the bigger point I wanted to make was it wasn't me. I'm not giving myself a pat on the back for making for the 40 hours as a wow, you treated people really well. What I'm trying to say more is when the team had a discipline about the hours to work, everybody on the team was worked, I thought extremely hard and with extreme focus for those 40 hours. And it was, a I, that was the first team I ever worked on where I saw the people, most of the people on the team with that discipline compared to 
no one really knew, were you supposed to work extra time or not? And since then, on all my projects, I've made it a discipline for myself and my team. Put in the 40. I don't, I'm not going to tell you when to do the 40 because we're remote. There's flexibility. We're on different time zones. But I don't want you worried about doing too much work. I want you, or doing too many hours. I want you worried about maximizing the 40. And not thinking like, hey, if I don't know how to do something, like if I, we present a problem to the team and you don't know how to do it, learning how to do it is part of the 40. It's not like you need to go on the weekend and learn React because the team's using React. It's like, no, the learning is part of the job. And right. my the team, everybody that I've worked with when the team had this philosophy seemed to be more productive. Like I don't put measurements on stuff. I don't track crap on um, like agile boards and velocity and all that. But I, my gut feeling and seeing the the out the products was I have a team that isn't worn out. I have people that aren't calling in sick. They're taking normal time off. They're taking off holidays. They're taking vacations. They come in and treat each other well. They're not irritable. Um, it was a dynamic change in the previous teams I was a part of when the team was focused on the, the best 40 they could do without extending time into other areas of their lives. Like, you can really turn this sucker off at night. And right. that that's been my last five years of work is that type of discipline as much as I can do so. And I feel like it's the better way to go. And I don't know if you've experienced that in your stuff, but I don't know. What, what have you experienced along that line? Yeah. So, so I, I, I'll take, I'll take a slightly different tack. You're never going to get away from work outside of normal workouts. No. I don't think, I, I don't think you can. Ever, depending on the company, I don't think you can get away from that completely. Um, with Aspire EDU, some some of the things we have to do if we have to do a da- database migration, we're not going to do that nine to <clears throat> nine to nine yeah. on a Monday through Friday. We're going to do that, uh, and we can't even really do it at night because not at nights when all our um, data retrieval goes on. So we really kind of have to push that to the weekend where we can. I try and make sure if we're pushing something to a weekend that whoever's going to be working on it on the weekend um, has taken time off during the week or will take time off during the next week. Yeah, that's important. Um, that's to, really important. To, to compensate for that. I mean, I think that's really important for you, the tech manager, to make a point of saying, hey, you worked on Saturday. Guess what? You don't need to work Monday or Tuesday. And structure the project so that you know that because sometimes people are getting you put people in a position where sure they could work saturday but what happens when they take off monday and things fall through like you have to be there to make sure that that really works because some people won't take it like that whole unlimited vacation time stuff which is complete horse crap people don't take the time off because of guilt and so it's, I think it's on you to enforce that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And, and th- this is so to, to, to roll it back around to Elon Musk real quick, there, 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 there's a, I don't have the saying perfect, but th- th- there is a, a train of thought where a, a founder, an owner of a company expecting his or her employees to put in, put in as much time as the owner does. Yeah. Um, that that's a fallacy because it's not the employee's company. It's the founder's company. It's the owner's company. So that that's not to say they don't care. And that's not to say that they don't want it to succeed, but it's not theirs. But, um, but they give them stock options, right? Yeah. But <laughs> that's still, Unless you're owning a significant part, that doesn't matter, right? And I, I, I think you were being sarcastic. Well, uh, so let me ask you, what is the, what's the stronger argument? 
is a stronger argument that people should work 40 hours because they're not compensated enough like an owner? Or is the better argument that pushing people past a certain limit reduces their overall return to your company anyway? I, I Yes, the stronger argument is that pushing people past the amount of work they can take on. And, and we're, we're, we're kind of setting an arbitrary 40 because that's the standard. Yeah. Um, but it, it pushing, pushing people beyond where they can go, um, is, is not going to, to pan out. Um, that said, I, I, am guilty of it as, as a person running a company, um, for, for, for construction specialties, uh, somebody was texting me just to, they, they, they'd gotten a late night call and they were, they were just checking in with me to let me know. And they said, are you still working? I'm like, yeah, owner's disease. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what that mean, what I meant by that was that I, I can't, I, I have trouble turning it off. Um, I don't, I don't in any way expect anyone else to feel that way. Um, but I, I have trouble turning it off. Now, I personally compensate by it, with it, uh, for it, that is, by, you know what, nine to five, it, 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 I'm not, I don't feel stuck to nine to five. If I got to go out and do something, I go out and do it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's how I co- personally compensate for it. But you're, you're right that the bigger argument is really the one about you can't, you can't push often. You can push, but you cannot push often past where you're most effective. But what do you say to the people that say, and this is part of what Elon was saying in his email, we are in a hyper-competitive market with incumbents that have advantages that we don't have. We are driving against a goal that is doomed to fail unless we put in the extra time because we're laying people off. We can't spend more money on additional people and resources. What do you, what do you say to the manager, to the employees who signed on for this kind of struggle where it really does seem that, Hey, uh, 40 hours a week, ain't going to cut it. I I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I, I, especially with the, the, the message being conveyed that it's not a short-term thing. Yeah. That it's worse. We're stuck here and uh, ad infinitum um, until things get better. So it, it, yes, there's, there's, there's working longer, working harder towards something because you truly believe in it because it's your life's mission um, even if you don't own the company, sometimes you truly believe in something. You'll go work for a company just because of that. Um, but at the end of the day, it comes back to where where are you your most effective? What yeah. level of effort do you put in to be your most effective? Like the the statement that we have to keep burning the midnight oil or we will fail is just like that old saying, the floggings will continue until morale improves. Yeah. And my argument to someone that goes, we have so much work, we can't get it all done. We have to keep pushing in order to succeed. I would say likely you're going to fail anyway. I mean, maybe you'll make a, maybe you at the people at the top will make a significant amount of money, but you're going to burn out. Like you can't sustain it. I have never seen a company sustain it like without massive bloodletting later on. So I think it's a fallacy that you can keep burning out the talent uh, at your company and then expect that those extra hours people were doing, because like you said earlier, you might put in 80 hours, but you're not effective for 80 hours. You're maybe good for 50 to 60 of them. Um, So it's like, at some point, maybe you have to reduce your goals. Maybe you need to make better bets in the in the any for, for what you're aiming to do. Maybe you need to set a realistic goal for what can be achieved versus telling the world we're going to have a thirty thousand dollar car that cost 
50,000 to make and then say you're banking the whole company on it. Or maybe the maybe the best the better example is I'm going to throw a concert on a on the islands of Bahama or whatever the or the Caribbean islands <laughs> and I'm going to get models to say this is going to be a great gig um and then actually decide to learn how to do the uh, running a concert after you've promised it. Um, if you haven't yeah. seen that, if, yeah. so, if, if you it, haven't seen that, that, if you haven't seen that documentary, um, some of it's, some of it's just train wreck candy. Like let's watch a bunch of millennials screw something up, but there is something to be said for the comparison between a management team that drives people towards a cliff when the management team has no idea how they're going, what's going to happen when they jump off of it. And I see this very right. much in the burnout sectors of work where it's like, we expect you to put in 80 hours, but no one really knows why, or what's the, what's the goal for? Why are we doing all this extra right. time? What is the payback? And it all ties into what we were talking about now of if you're a manager it's not just enough to say, Hey, you should put in a certain amount of time a week. It's like, why are you doing it? And do you know what the goals are and what you're aiming for? Because that drives people to work harder in the time that they have in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 and, and I'll say this as a, as a person who uh, I personally would love to have a Tesla. I'd probably love to have the the newest Tesla Model Three, but seeing their their production problems, and then seeing them lay off, and then seeing them um, further go go further and say, not only are we laying off, we're expecting everybody that's with us to work extra in order to get. Uh, in order to, to maintain our company, all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I'm not so sure I want to back that horse anymore. Yeah. Um, it, it, it becomes one of those things. It's like, I'm seeing enough warning signs that I don't know that I, as a customer want to make a significant investment in a product. Um, if that's the direction they're heading. So that's another way that, that, that uh, attitude can can affect business as well. Yeah, I, I would say when you look at the big, the bigger firms, Facebook, Netflix, Disney, I know there are people that work incredible time, but I don't see a philosophy from management that pushes for it. Because I know through the grapevine, people that work for SpaceX for people that work for Tesla and I hear about their work hours. I hear about the trade-offs that the significant others are going through. And I'm just like, it is, it's like no other company for this extended period of time where that type of drive is part of the culture. And it's one thing to lay people off, but you're not going to keep your best people that way either. Eventually, the stock options don't matter to them because if you, the customer, right. if you're if you're the if you the investor, will look at a company and go, "This is not a healthy sounding company." Think what it feels like if you're a talented person on the inside and you see what's going on, or yeah. and you feel what's going on. Yeah. You're not going to hang around either. It's a bad investment for your stock options, or it doesn't matter anymore. I gave up stock options at, at the firm I was doing 80 hours for where they wouldn't hire someone. A month before that, they gave us stock options and I didn't even sign it. I was like, nope, I'm out of here. I don't care about these things. Yeah. And yeah. it just, I was like, this is a bad bet. This company, the way it runs, the way it's treating people is a bad bet. And these stock options won't be worth anything. At least not enough for me to to like miss out on the rest of my life. So, right. So anyway, that that's, that's interesting that you said that you got stock options at the company or, or you were offered stock options at the company that you were burned out from is the same thing happened at the one that I left. <laughs> um, 
you know, a few months before I left, they, they decided to start to award, um, they weren't quite stock options, but they were per, you know, small shares of the company. Um, but you had to be there so long and you had, it only, uh, and only accrued upon, you know, sale of the company, things like that. And it just wasn't worth sticking around for that. Um, they ended up selling a year or two years after I left, but I don't know that that would have been worth it to, to have stayed around that long. So, so I do want, I, I, I want to go one direction real quick though, with, with all of this, does any of, does any of the attitude change for one of a kind companies or companies with extremely big missions and i'm not talking about amazon you know striving to become the biggest company and uh biggest distributor I, that 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 that's all commercial that's all uh capital um goals yeah. i'm talking about things like spacex things like blue origin yeah. things that where we know from from documentaries and and recent movies that nasa engineers underwent this same sort of thing just to get their mission across yeah um i don't think the answer changes as far as you're not getting the efficiency out of the worker if you're working them that many hours but does the attitude uh, of what we're we're coming across that change at all if it's a -a one-of-a-kind mission i mean like other other similar missions, trying to win World War II. I doubt anybody in the military was like, did you put in your 40 today? Like you didn't have, that wasn't even, a, it was a matter of how do you win this battle? How do you win this challenge? For NASA, they were up, at least back in the day, that they had the space race, which was truly everyone back then thought that in order for the country not to fall into the grips of, the Cold War, or while it was in the grips of the Cold War, science and space was, they had to be on top of it. And so there was right. this race to protect the country with knowledge and innovation. And when that is at stake, I think that's what you step up for, right? Um, like, that's when it seems like it makes most sense to use every bit of energy to protect things. But you can't tell me that Elon Musk's envision like race to have the first recyclable rocket is as that important because all they do is brag about how much money they can like make by shooting those, like saving the rockets. Like, yes, it's a business advantage, but is it worth burning yourself out on if you're going to sell it across the world anyway? Like everyone will have access to that. It's not just America fighting Russia or fighting China for the first repeatable rocket. We're not trying, at least at this point, we're not evacuating Earth for The Rock's latest um, weather disaster movie. And... We're not trying, like, we're not, there's not a race to get off the planet and colonize Mars. So it's hard for me to put SpaceX in that category. But, but aren't, isn't there bigger mission, not just to be able to recycle rockets, but isn't there bigger mission to, if we can prove all these commercial ventures are viable, we've got a better platform to get to Mars with. Yes. Um, We've we've got a we've got a better platform to do the truly innovative stuff, not the commercial stuff, but the truly innovative stuff. But the commercial stuff has to work first to prove it viable. But what? So, but why? Uh, but it, that doesn't answer what is the mission's ultimate need for urgency. That's fair. That's the, that's, that's my fair. like to compare NASA and the space race to Blue Origin versus SpaceX. I look at two billionaires with toys trying to see who's got the best toys. Now I know, yeah, I, I know SpaceX and blue origin have higher goals. 
So I'm not trying to, I, I was minimizing it by saying toys, but ultimately what I'm trying to say is I cannot fathom that there, we like, we do not have, except for Space Force, which is either a new Air Force division or a new like military division or the new Netflix comedy coming out to parody that military division. Space Force is not a reality of the urgency of the the populace. We don't like right. We have so many other things that are gripping the, the attention of us and other in the media. You don't have people going. I'm really worried about the survival of the human race or of the American way of life. Space is our only shot out. That's how people felt about the space race in some cases. Get to the moon first. Beat sure. beat China, beat sure. Russia, beat Europe at the innovation part. Like or like World War II, prevent the the erasure of freedom as, as people saw it. Or the reason why Vietnam happened, you know, like those are the kind of things where I see people putting in the extra effort beyond my, in the burnout stages to solve a dire situation or what is perceived to be that. But when it comes to business world and applications and code and technology, except for medical science, perhaps, I don't see that same urgency i do see people talk about it like it is but i don't know that that's realistic yeah i think that's completely fair um and and i don't so so one more area that 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 we can we can uh segue towards the end with that that we always have to segue to this every (laughs) once in a while is where's the other area where we see tons of people working extraordinary hours it's in football, right? It's in, it's in especially college football with recruiting. Um, and, and they're, they're, they're working, you know, tons. Well, of all at, all athletes, in, professional and college collegiate work hours. I've never seen for even when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. But again, the mission's not there, right? The mission's just to, to be better than, than the other, the other teams. Yeah. Um, to be the best you can be. But, or to be the best, <laughs> to go. be the best. You, well, <laughs> I was not making fun of the military. To be the best you can be as an athlete, to do, to sacrifice for the team. Right. And you, right. going back into the football talk, there's nothing less attractive to me than being a football coach and the type of college football coach specifically, the amount of time that they put into recruiting and development um, and coaching is insane like i just see people that in a way their lot of their personal lives suffer for the cause of winning a an event or a championship but i guess the other flip side is what i guess the best feeling in sports the best feeling that like people say the best thing in life their first kid maybe second kid and uh winning a sports championship like i don't i guess well yeah, but we've we've had this discussion. We've always said, threatened that we were going to talk about Urban Meyer on <laughs> on CTO thing, but I think this is the perfect time, <laughs> yes. right? Um, is is this is a this is a high level head coach, a high level, uh, probably thought of as in the conversation for Mount Rushmore of college head coaches. Yeah, um, through through what he's accomplished and through through everything talent wise, but we've seen him on two different occasions with two different teams break yeah. down, just, just mentally, physically break down. Um, and, and the, the weight of it all became too much for him. Um, so I think we've, I think I've completely skewed us off topic away from how do we treat our employees, but um, it, it, it's another example of, of allowing, allowing all that pressure and all that extra work to, to take you to a place where you're not efficient. So with, uh, for our last chunk of the discussion, instead of lamenting why you should try to 
have a more responsible workload on your t- on your team, how do you do it? Like, what are the things you should do as a leader or manager to 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 actually execute a balanced work life? To have a work life balance for your team, not just for yourself, but for the people that work for you and the people that look up to you or expect you to give them the cues for how to what they should, how much work and time they should be putting in. Well, I think you have to start with realistic goals. I think you have to, you have to start with how big is my team? Um, what can we accomplish with, with what we have as opposed, uh, and, and if, if your goals are bigger then making sure your staff matches your goals. Yes. Um, one example is, is for, for Aspire EDU, we don't sit there and try to implement 10, 20 features a year um, because we've got, we've got the size of the team we've got. We're only going to get a certain number of things done. Yeah. This was a conversation that, um, that uh, Justin and John had on Build Your SaaS the other day mm. um, where, where they were talking about how, how do you think about your competition? How, how, should, you, should you be worried about your competition? Yeah. And the example they brought up was their own company. It's the two of them versus another company that has, you know, 20 developers. So they can't kick out all the features that that bigger company has. So they have to focus on the ones that really matter. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's really where I'm trying to drive at is you got to focus on, you got to, in order to make it happen, your goals have to match your, your staffing. Um, and if they don't, you got to, you got to change one or the other. Um, I'm not. there's a new book that I haven't gotten to yet. It's called company of one. Um, why staying small is the next big thing for business. And I, I think it's probably a very interesting read and it's something I'm going to pick up, yeah. even though I, I, I don't necessarily want a company of one. I don't want a hundred person company. I just don't. I, I think, um, I think that, one that, is that, too that. small, but I definitely think small is better too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and then to your point that you just made about goal setting, I have nothing else to say about it other than you picked out the very first most important thing of and of anything I'm going to say in a few minutes. You listed the most important thing: realistic goals um, that your team can achieve without burning themselves out is by far the way you start. The other thing. And that that that's that's the response. I'm gonna interrupt. I'm gonna interrupt yeah. you there real quick. That's the that's that's as as a leader. If you're truly a CTO and you're 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 in the C-suite or you have C-suite influence, it's on yeah. you to be able to communicate that up and out to your peers and to your to your to who you report to that this right here is what this team can handle. We can't handle what the CEO or, or what the, the the person in charge is is saying. We don't have the team size for it. So we either need to cut down our goals or we need to. And that's that's incumbent on you as as the CTO to do. So I'm sorry. What was your other? Well, no, yeah. I mean, I agree 100. percent The other, the management level, um, like a detailed task that I would have people think about where I, I guess where I see burnout and where I see why are people working extra hours beyond unrealistic goals, meetings, like we all talk about meetings are worthless and meetings, um, you know, waste time. But truly I have found that when I, when someone tells me in the past, when I've talked to people about why do you work so many hours in the department you're in? And it's always because their day is wrecked by meetings. And by far, I would say the most tactical approach you can make to allowing your people to get work done in a, in a time boxed amount of uh, some kind of constraints around time is reduce meetings that waste time or that people don't need to be a part of like really squeeze those the communication network and set like that approach down the other thing don't deploy 
on Friday afternoons. Like if you're going to deploy, do it a Thursday night late, do it early on a Friday, but don't deploy at a time if you can help it when, or don't deploy on an unscheduled time frame, like on a Friday afternoon, like let's push this out Friday afternoon and call it a weekend. Because I've seen so many people put in extra hours because of unexpected problems come up. That doesn't, like, I understand that companies need to deploy Saturday morning or Sunday morning or Sunday midday. That doesn't bother me because what you do is you schedule it and you tell the people we're going to launch it on Sunday. You're going to have off a couple days in the week, the following week. And that's, that's good planning, but don't just don't deploy on a Friday or at 5 PM on a weekday when if things go wrong, someone's going to have to on an unscheduled time frame stay at work late. Like that's done, never makes sense to me. Yeah. And I hated it when I had bosses that just didn't give a crap about the launch time. And I, it truly, I, like when I look back on those managers, the opinion I have of them for launching around uh, on those specific timelines, I thought you do not know what you're doing. Like it's not so much that you're you know, like everyone's kind of winging it, but you truly don't have any respect for the time of people um, when you launch on that kind of unscheduled time frame. And then for sure, I think the other thing is truly understanding what being on call means to people. In the sense of there are plenty of companies where, hey, someone needs the pager. I don't know what people use now other than notifications or something that they get on their phone. But if you make people be on call on the weekends, it's got to be on shifts. It's got to be on a basis where they not everything falls on their shoulders. Because everyone I know in medicine and in the DevOps that are on call always are keeping work in the back of their mind when they're on call and they aren't truly having a chance to live outside of the normal work hours. So it's not that you shouldn't have people on call. It's just more of you've got to spread that around for who is on call for issues that come up on the off times. And it's really on you as a manager to spread that out in a balanced fashion across the team as much as you possibly can. Because if you leave it, if you just yeah. say, hey, you're on call in the evenings all the time, you're kind of, you're not giving people that break that they that yeah. they really should have to have a long-term healthy work-life balance. Um, there's tons of other yeah. tasks, but I feel like those are the ones that always stood out to me the most. That it felt like managers just kind of didn't care about it. They didn't care. They meetings were not a big cost to them. Um, on call duties weren't a big deal. Deployment schedules weren't a big deal. And I was just like, all of those are a big deal to me for the discipline of my team trying to work a normal schedule. So, for sure. And and I've got. So I, for, for Aspire to you, we, we've got on call, right? We've got pager duty and um, we have a small team. So in order to make that spread out, I make sure I'm part of the rotation. Yeah. Um, I may not be able to fix everything. Um, I may have to call in somebody else. But I also know that our pager is uh, the, the routines we have set up aren't 100% accurate on I'm paging you because this is an absolute emergency. There are sometimes when we'll get paged when, you know, the, the, the routine that's checking checks doesn't see that it's progressing and yet the next check will catch up that it's progressing. Yeah. So sometimes we got false positives. So just being able to take that burden off, I think helps. Um, and, and meetings is, is, is a good point as well. It, it, and really it boils down to the, the communication. You said it. Um, making sure all your communication channels are are as finely tuned as they can, not just meetings, but all the different synchronous communications you have, yeah. the, the the phone calls, the Slack, everything else. That's all. Hey, part don't of like what manager. Another thing, I'm, I'm, this is off of what you said. Managers 
really need to think about messages that they send. We're circling all the way back to the Elon Musk at 1.30 a.m. Sending that email sent a message. I am working at 1.30, so you can too. Now, I've heard the argument that Elon just works a lot of hours, so he probably just sent it when he could. I'm like, okay, that's great. But I really made an effort later on in my career, and I still do, do not post issues around the product or around the work time, around the work, the team on a weekend or in the evening. Because when I, all, when I would do that, people felt compelled to reply. And I knew I was interrupting them from dinner or something. And then the point I was making was really not that important. So it's like I would post something in Slack yeah. They would reply, and I'm like, oh, no, no, don't worry. Worry about this tomorrow. Well, I already screwed it up, man. I already put them in a position yeah. to reply. And I would, and I'm like, why do you keep I – would, I would thought on one hand, why does this person keep replying when I tell them in the text, don't worry about this right now? And I'm like, you know what? I'm the idiot because I'm the boss. I'm the manager, and, they, and these folks on my team care – enough to reply even though i'm trying to say don't don't worry about this now i was like i'm like there's so many different ways whether it's trello or a notepad or some other means of not notifying people about a thought i want to keep for tomorrow i don't need to post it into a slack channel to hold my thought until the next day And if you're a manager out there and you think that you are doing something effective for yourself um, by posting notes in a Slack channel, you better, I would strongly rethink that strategy or emails at night. If it doesn't matter till the next day, don't send it till the next day. That's my strong, sounding strong uh, philosophy of communications now. And I have been... Sure, and I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Oh, I'm, I'm guilty, guilty of the of the Slack message, and and it's it's a case of, I, it's in my head. I want to get it out so I don't lose it. Um, but to expect an employee to see it and then not respond to it is is pushing them to the same thing you don't want to do. You don't want to hold on to their thought, your thought. They don't want to hold yeah. on to theirs. Um, I, the only thing I'll push back a little on because I know I'll never change and and. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a good solution to it besides just a delayed send. Um, but it's sending emails after hours Th- that I'm always going to do. And I don't think I'll ever get away from that. Um, just cause that's, that's more of a, that's more of a here. I'm capturing all these thoughts and then I, I want those to be ready for everybody the next day. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't dig that either because <laughs> I check email all the time. And well, don't. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying I, I still I, I know that there there what there used to be an app. I don't know if it's still around called Boomerang and it lets you schedule your emails. So I'm always right. like an email that comes in at 6 a.m. doesn't bother me. Um, I don't expect people to read it till eight or nine, most likely for the day at the time they start, but I just don't like doing it the night before. I don't mind. I write, I nowadays I write a lot of draft emails and then I send them early the next morning. So then I'm, I feel like I've done my part of the communication, but I didn't burden anyone the night before. So my, my right now, my Google, my Gmail has like three drafted emails for various things. And I'm like, not going to send that now because I don't want that person to feel like mm. I'm up one upping them on the work effort or expect them to care now because truly it's what seven or 8 PM. There's nothing they can do anyway or should be doing for this right. email. And so I just have a lot of drafts and it, the only thing that it has that I had to work towards was that feeling of, I need to send this draft out. I need, I need that inbox zero. I hate this inbox zero crap. And my drafts are going to, I'm always going to have draft emails in there and I just got to get over it because it's important. I can manage my anxiety. It's much harder for me to manage the anxiety I cause on others. And that's what I aim to do is reduce their anxiety. 
And so that's that's why yeah. I don't dig the email at night thing. But I'm guilty, but I'm guilty yeah, of it. And, I'm and totally guilty in my past um, of doing that stuff. And I just it took me to kind of think about the effect it had on me when other people did it and then made a concerted effort to change. That's all. Well, I, I think I'll have to look into see if there's an, uh, an Outlook plugin to, to schedule emails because um, draft draft works. Um, but I'd, I'd prefer to get just schedule it. So it went out on. Yeah. Its own. Well, speaking of overtime, right. we're past the hour mark. We've talk, it's been a great conversation, I think. Um, so we should probably call it a week. But uh, I guess the next question yep. I have is, when are you going to have this video or the audio processed and ready for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm going to turn around and start working on it now, but I'm going to work on it over the weekend. I'm going to work extra time just to get it. Sweet, done. because we need it done and the deadline is coming up. I don't give a shit what you're officiating this weekend. You need to work on the audio. <laughs> uh, yep, I'm I'm in between seasons, <laughs> so that's just fine. even better. You could we could do two shows this week. You should process them both. That's fine. Let's hang up here and we'll do start awesome. another one. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, good talking to you. We will talk next week. All right, thanks. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.